Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And today I have with me, as usual, senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hello. What are you doing? Sniffing. Sniffing what? Apparently the microphone. Josh must have been in here. It smells like <laughs> chips and fresca. Well then, um, I think that was because we were going to talk about ISPs sniffing packets. Let's say yes. All right then. <laughs> um, for the uninitiated, uh, a packet is a little piece of information, a little piece of digital information in specific. And it's um, it's essentially how the Internet gets information from one place to another, breaks it down into little chunks, sort of like you might freeze a Charleston shoe and whack it on the table. Um, these little packets of information are going from server to server to get from your computer to somewhere else. Why are you looking at me? Because like I was that? thinking of Mike TV from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate <laughs> Factory. That's a better analogy. That's it a breaks much better it up analogy. into tiny, tiny bits, sends it through the air, and then it gets magically put back together on the other side. It's not magic. I'm just joking about that, obviously. Um, and you don't have to stretch it out at the end right. with the taffy puller. No, no. But every packet has essentially three, three different sections. You have a header, and then the header is sort of the information about the packet itself, like where it fits within the grand scheme of the information, um, the origin – from uh, the origin computer and the destination computer. You know, it's kind of like all the, the administrative stuff you need in order to send information from one place to another. Then you have the payload. The payload is the part of the packet that actually holds the information you want to send. So let's say an email. That would be the part that would hold part of that email. And then the footer, which essentially tells the computer, hey, this is the end of the packet. Um, so... You send enough of these packets together, it's like putting a puzzle together. You get all these different uh, headers, and that tells you where everything belongs, and the computer puts it all together, and then you get the email on the other side. Yep, and uh, the thing is, there have been rumors, some of them quite substantial, Yes, um, that uh, your internet service provider, or at least some internet service providers, are sniffing packets. Now, sniffing in this case, they're not actually, you know, Walking up to the computer and inhaling sharply like like Chris and I are, um, they what they're doing is they're they're using special software to look at the information that is inside these packets, and uh, and it can also put this stuff together so they can figure out what it is that's going across the networks. Now, if you're an internet service provider, you can essentially see everything that's going across your network. I mean, you you have that capability of seeing of of looking in and saying at any particular time and saying, okay, what's going across right now? And you can see where the traffic is heaviest. And, you know, there, there are some legitimate reasons for doing this. It's not all, you know, cloak and dagger espionage, someone's spying on my information kind of stuff. But the problem is there also is this cloak and dagger element that goes along with it. And that's where objections are, are popping up all over the place. That's true. Um, you know, from the ISP's point of view, uh, the ISP might want to do some, uh, you know, packet sniffing to ensure that they're not, their network isn't being misused. Right. Um, you know, you might have, for example, someone downloading a movie via BitTorrent. Okay. Take away the legal aspects of it. If you have somebody who's downloading a bunch of movies via BitTorrent, that person is using a whole lot of bandwidth. And if your bandwidth is split up among, say, 
we'll make it a, we'll pretend it's a small ISB, 30 customers, and one person is taking up the majority of the bandwidth, you might be kind of concerned, especially if your other customers start calling in and going, hey, I, I just don't, I don't, I'm not getting any throughput. The latency is terrible. What's going on with this? You might say, well, you know what? I have an idea what might be going on with this. You might say, look, you know, Charlie, you're going to have to stop downloading all these movies. Um, now, that's where the legal stuff starts getting in because, you know, the RIAA, the Recording Industry Association of America and the Motion Picture Association of America. The and, MPAA. Yes. They have a different interest in wanting to know who's downloading what and when. Yeah. Um <sighs> Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you at least have some knowledge about what we're talking about here, because it's not like the RIAA and the MPAA have been particularly secretive about this. Um, they might have even sued you, for yeah, example. Yeah, you may very well have been one of the people they sued. Um, they're, they're quite serious about stopping piracy as any way they can, including all the wrong ones. Um and, and, you know, I, I say that kind of lightly, but it really is true. They, they tend to use a club to, to attack a gnat. Um, there's even debate among a lot of people. I'm sure pirates are among them, uh, that, you know, the, the quote unquote damage being done by this piracy issue is so minuscule in comparison to the, uh, the retribution meted out by these groups that it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm not going to throw my hat into that ring because that's just a, that's, that's too thorny even for me. Really? Um, yeah. I'm stunned. Well, maybe it'll be a blog post in the future. <laughs> but the the important thing here is that these organizations have a lot of clout. I mean, first of all, they have tons and tons of money. And they are representing the, the recording industry and the movie industry. Right. And uh, they have a lot of uh, – when I say clout, I'm talking political clout. They can uh, – they're very influential. I mean, these are huge industries. And uh, there are a lot of politicians who listen to them. And they're uh, very highly paid lobbyists. Yes. So, yeah, they're paid to talk to politicians or yeah. they're paying people to talk to well, politicians yeah, yeah. on their behalf. At any rate, what's happening here is that uh, you've got politicians who hear, hey, we need to stop this. It's it's ruining our industry. We can't control it. And, uh, and so they start looking for ways to stop piracy that could affect you – even if you're not um, misbehaving at all. You know, it's funny that you would say that because uh, I actually have an example okay. of something that, that was just in the news about that. Um, and it wasn't in, in uh, the mainstream media, or at least not a lot of it. So uh, I actually have an article from The Guardian um, in which they were saying that uh, California and Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein was having language added to the uh, stimulus package that was just passed not too long ago. Um, and essentially, it was uh, theoretically, it was supposed to add sn- uh, packet sniffing properties to the language. And you might say, well, what's going on with that? Well, the idea was... Um, it was, uh, it was for the Broadband Technology Opportunities Program. It's six to nine billion, uh, dollar part of the, the stimulus package. And it was originally aimed to build out broadband networks in less served areas. Uh, well, she wanted to add language that would allow them to sniff packets or would force ISPs to sniff packets for child pornography and copyright infringement. Wow. Um, 
And, uh, you know, this, this was in the Guardian and apparently, um, when I did a little bit of uh, follow-up research on it, it doesn't appear to have actually made it in. Uh, they were was, attempting to add it in, but it, it didn't actually go in. It's pretty sneaky. Before they passed it. But the thing, well, the thing is, you know, some people were saying that the MPAA had, uh, Senator Feinstein's ear. Of course, I have no way of knowing that for certain. Um, but, uh, you know, it does go with what you were saying a moment ago about how, um, you know, they have so much political clout. Well, you know, she is a California senator and those industries are very, very strong in California. So, um, it is conceivable that, uh, they may have been suggesting to her that, that this language was added into the bill. However, it, it didn't seem to uh, make it into the law. Hmm. And Chris mentioned earlier the whole thing about, uh, torrents. Uh, torrent is not necessarily illegal. Um, torrent's a, a method of peer to peer sharing and it's, there's nothing illegal about sharing files, especially, I mean, if you've got the, the right to share those, then that's perfectly fine. There's nothing stopping you. If it's all, you know, if it's all in public domain or shareware or if it's yours and you don't mind, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is one of those things where it's not the technology. That's right. illegal. The technology is perfectly fine to uh, to use to break down the uh, the information and send it. As a matter of fact, it's uh, very much like the internet packet sharing. I mean, it breaks a file into pieces and distributes them. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it has nothing to do with what people are using it the technology for. for. Exactly. Just like people can use the web to do, you know, to look at uh, illicit material. That doesn't mean that's what the web is for. You know, true. It's true. it's possible. Just like someone could use a I don't know, a highway to make a fast getaway from a bank robbery. That's true. Doesn't mean that's what the highway's for. So of course you're getting it. Getting we're, you know, now see, we're getting into the area where I do throw my hat into the ring. Yeah, there you go. But um, so here's the question: if uh, if ISPs are forced or at least highly encouraged to sniff packets, how can you tell? Um. Well, there are a couple of different ways. There's some software out there that you can run that at least lets you see kind of what your ISP is up to. Some of it's from our good friends over at uh, Google. Really? Yeah. Uh, actually, it's sort of a kind of a partnership with Google. Um, there's a, a group called Measurement Lab. And Measurement Lab oh, yes. has several different uh, programs you can download for free to kind of see what's going on w- on your Internet service provider. One of them is called Glossnost. Nostrovia. Um, and Glossnost is a tool that tells you if BitTorrent traffic is being blocked by your ISP. Uh, BitTorrent traffic. Yeah. Why would, why would BitTorrent traffic be blocked by your ISP? I mean, if you're using, I don't know, Comcast, for example. Uh, yeah, that was a good, good, uh, segue there. So Comcast got a huge, got egg on its face, corporate face. Uh, quite a bit corporate in the egg. Like corporate egg over the last couple of years because uh, they the, the company argued very strenuously that it was not blocking any traffic um, or anything based upon the kind of traffic it was. So so they were being accused of of throttling, which means they're controlling how much information can go through, throttling uh, BitTorrent traffic. And they said, no, no, we're not doing that. And then it turned out, yes, they they were, in fact, doing that. And inserting fake packets into streams to disrupt disrupt traffic entirely. Right. So um, this was uh, the FCC 
uh, said this was a bad thing and that it violated net neutrality and that Comcast was in violation of it and needed to be fined. Comcast came back and said, you know what? What gives you, FCC, the right to do this? And the FCC said, we'll get back to you on that. Because <laughs> as it turns out, it's not against the law. No one really has the authority. I mean, yeah. the Internet is a global thing. It grew very organically. And we're getting to the point now where it's grown faster than our way, our means of administering it and, 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 you know, being able to mete out justice or, or detect injustice. I mean, who's to say what's right and wrong? There's no ultimate authority you can go to. The lone internet ranger. Right. For example. I guess we could all go to Tim Berners Lee. Uh, of course, that's the web, but that's not the internet. Yeah, that's true. Um, Vince Cerf. Wait, he's with Google. I think he would just say it all, it's all fair. <laughs> well, in which case, let's go for it. Um, well, you know, that goes back. Comcast is basically saying, look, you know, people are using our network and we want to make sure that network resources are used fairly and everybody has a chance to, you know, sip at the well of bandwidth. Right. Um, you know, so that, that's been their argument. I think is to say, and, look, you know, we're just trying to make sure that our services are okay for everybody to use. It's just that, uh, you know, some people use a whole lot of bandwidth. And the problem is that there are, there are a lot of people who say, you know what? There's no evidence that this BitTorrent use is affecting the bandwidth of your network at all. Um, as far as we can tell, you're only doing it because it happens to be BitTorrent. You're not doing it for other kinds of content. So, um, and the uh, measurement lab tool only works for BitTorrent, BitTorrent. This, this particular one, they, there are others that are supposed to come out soon. They are not out now. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, uh, diff probe is supposed to determine if your ISP is shuffling around certain kinds of traffic mm-hmm. onto a slower pipe. Uh huh. So you would be able to see if your ISP says, you know what? This is not as important to us as this is. Let's, uh, you know what? Jimmy's just going to have to wait an extra hour for that movie to download. Uh, cause Billy over here, he needs to access our content. So let's put him on the fast track and let's put Jimmy on the slow track. Well, you're not supposed to do that. Not at least according to the, the philosophy of net neutrality. Um, everyone's supposed to kind of have a level playing field. So this would let you tell, see if your ISP was actually messing around with you. Yeah. So for example, and I'm not saying that they're doing this. I'm just right. thinking of them again. Uh, because I happen to know they have this service. For example, Comcast has a service that's very much like Hulu's, where you can download video content and watch shows live, or not live, but, uh, you know, streaming sure. uh, on the Internet. So, for example, you might have, you know, Steve trying to watch a movie on Comcast's service and, you know, Jenny watching something on Hulu. They could slow down and uh, inhibit Jenny's traffic to give Steve's traffic priority because he's using their service and they want their service to look good. Right. Or so, even not that they have been accused of that. I'm just saying that's right. an example of how a an ISP might do that. Yeah, they might even do it just so that they can convince Jenny that she really needs to switch to Comcast instead of using Hulu yeah, entirely, exactly. which, again, goes against the philosophy of net neutrality. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is a complicated issue. Now, are ISPs sniffing packets? Probably. Uh, without running the software, it's impossible for me to say that if they're sniffing your packets or not. But, um, there's a good chance. So uh, there's nothing stopping them because the, I mean, the FCC is like the FCC complaint was all about throttling, right. not, not about packet sniffing. Right. Um, so. You know, uh, for the answer of your question, uh, is my ISP sniff, uh, sniffing my packets? Uh, probably. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that said, 
think about all the people on your ISP. If yeah. you use a, um, a very large ISP, especially, um, you know, they're not going to sit there and go through everybody's traffic because they honestly don't have time to. Right. Um, and you know, especially in this economic climate, they don't have enough money to pay all the people it would take to read every packet. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not so. looking at your emails necessarily to yeah. see what you're sending to your high school crush or whatever. Um, they're really looking for massive amounts of traffic and then wondering what they should do about it without getting caught by the FCC. No, wait. I mean, finding ways of making sure their bandwidth usage stays nice and, uh, and level. Right. You know, this isn't the first time uh, people have been talking about packet sniffing. This has been available for years and years. Sure. And uh, even in the early 2000s, the FBI had this... Um, this implementation they wanted to run. We even have an article about it um, called Carnivore. Yipes. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, Carnivore was this thing that uh, is essentially a piece of hardware that they wanted to install at ISPs. And um, it would it would intercept messages and, uh, you know, split them apart, look at the content on one side, look at general statistics on the other, and basically they would be able to get a lot of information about you and and about the traffic you were sending. And I think uh, it was it was seen as a national security initiative. However, uh, the the title of our article here at How Stuff Works is how Carnivore worked. So it is not something that is in um, implementation now. Right. But uh, the packet sniffing technology has been around for. You know, many years now. So it's certainly yeah. not a new issue. No. Um, so. Well, that's good. That was a good discussion about packet sniffing. You got anything else to add to that? No, no. Well, you know what that means. Uh-oh. It's time for. Oh, no. Listener mail. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So today's listener mail. <clears throat> my name is John Alemiz. Sorry, I totally mispronounced your last name, John. From Texas, and I think you should talk about the ongoing trial of the Pirate Bay. I've been reading up on it and find it to be really interesting how the movie industry is behaving. So what John's referring to kind of uh, segues, you know, works nicely with the packet sniffing, don't you think? I, I think it's very funny that you happen to choose that particular email yeah. to read on this particular podcast. Golly. Let's just say that. Isn't Chance Grand. So <laughs> Pirate Bay is one of those uh, torrent tracking services we were kind of talking about before. Now, here's the important thing to keep in mind. Pirate Bay does not host files. Right. It provides a tracking service for torrents. So it's kind of like a search engine specifically for torrents. So say you want to find a copy of a, uh, a public domain um, program that's out there somewhere and you go on Pirate Bay and you search for it and you find that there are copies out there by other Pirate Bay users, you could download the torrent that way and you would actually download bits and pieces from all these different users until you had your own copy. And if you chose, you could also participate so that other users who would search for this file in the future could also get hold of it. Uh-huh. Or you could use it to download movies and music that are uh, copy under copyright and you're violating the law and you're a dirty, dirty pirate. Right. But Except those are the dirty, dirty pirates who are not being prosecuted. Right. No, that's exactly right. The users aren't the ones being prosecuted. It's the Pirate Bay itself. Now, Pirate Bay's servers are all in Sweden. And it turns out the United States government pressured the Swedish government quite a bit to um, to go after the Pirate Bay and prosecute them. And uh, eventually the Swedish government capitulated and uh, they brought a case against Pirate Bay 
um, there were two different major kinds of charges. Uh, there was uh, the, let's see, what was it? Uh, assisting copyright infringement charges. And uh, let's see, the other one was assisting making available copyrighted material. This seems kind of, you know, weird and, and, and vague, but that's the way it's worded. So here's the thing. The prosecution did not understand how the Pirate Bay worked. And the day after the Pirate Bay uh, lawyer opened with the opening statement, half the charges were dropped. Wow. Yeah. All the charges that had to do specifically with assisting copyright infringement were dropped because it just wasn't – they weren't making available any of these files. Right. They were just a tracking system. Uh, there's a lot of attention being put on this right now because people are, you know, kind of falling into one camp or the other. Either, come on, they're called the Pirate Bay. What do you expect? Or they're saying, no, the Pirate Bay is really just a search engine. If you go after the Pirate Bay, you should go after Google because you can find torrents on Google. You can use Google to find torrents. You can use any search engine really to find in these sort of torrent files. It's just the Pirate Bay is specifically tuned to find torrents. Then there's the revenue aspect. You know, yeah. they're uh, they're claiming that not only did they build the site to to show people where you could download files illegally, but they sold ads alongside it. Right. And uh, the the prosecution is trying to get money back for for the revenue that they uh, they made on the on the advertising. Right. Uh, about one hundred eighty thousand dollars. I'm told. Yeah. And again, this is like search advertising, you could argue. I mean, it's not, it's not that they're necessarily advertising these, you know, various movies and music as much as they're advertising the search, uh, tool itself. Right. So, I mean, you're, it's tricky. And, um, it's, it's, the other interesting thing is that the prosecution's finding it very difficult to go after specific people in the Pirate Bay because they don't have a traditional hierarchy. There's not like one guy in charge. It's a group of people who all pitch in and do work. And when they say, you know what? We could use this feature. Someone will go out and build it. It's not like, uh, the leader says, Hey, we need this. You go do it. It's, it's very much collective. And the prosecution's finding it difficult to handle that aspect of the Pirate Bay too. It's actually kind of becoming sort of a, a circus over there in a way. And, uh, as we're recording this, the, the trial's still ongoing, so we don't know how it's going to turn out just yet. And would uh, explain why they were all wearing the big floppy shoes. I was wondering about that. I was going to ask you. I was just wondering why the defense all came in one car. Oh, that is a good question. So anyway, now that we've managed to get completely off track, to get back on track... If you would like to learn more about packet sniffing and torrents and all of the information in between, we have all that at our website, HowStuffWorks.com. And if you want to get in touch with us, if you have any corrections or if you have any comments or suggestions for, for episodes, you can write to us at TechStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. And don't forget, we have blogs now. Yay, blogs. Yay, blogs. So you can read all about Chris's take on the tech world and my stupid jokes. Those can be found at blogs.howstuffworks.com slash category slash tech stuff. So hope you find all that interesting. It's fantastic stuff. There's tons of content there. And we look forward to talking to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?